You've hit play on The Screen Companion, a show about making your viewing time count. Watch it again. Explore your favorite movies with a group of friends. Watch It Again is a movie podcast that strives to examine motion pictures in a way that cultivates new enjoyment from old favorites. I'm your host, Frank, along with my two special guests, John. Hey, I'm John. And Mitch. My name is Mitch. In this episode, we tackle the 1990s sci-fi action thriller mindfuck classic Total Recall. Let's start the show talking about the background for this film, the people involved, and other production details, as well as a few bits of trivia. This film was directed by Paul Verhoeven, and there will be more about him later. Right now, though, we must begin with the face of Total Recall, one of the biggest action stars of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think he really came to prominence in the sci-fi genre, should we say, in 1984's Terminator? And uh, we really loved him even more in 1987 when he was both in Predator and Running Man. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I, li- I really liked Running Man. I think Predator is one of the greatest action movies of all time. Now, I'm going to make a, maybe a controversial statement here. I think the 80s was the decade for good science fiction films, whether it's action sci-fi or horror sci-fi. And I'm going to say that it really kicked off with Alien. Now, I realize that 79, was 79, right? right? And then I think, I think it ended with this movie in 1990. That was like the beginning and end of the decade of sci-fi films. Uh, yeah, actually, I'll agree with that. I mean, um, the 90s did have a lot of good movies. Uh, like, I don't know if you'd count sci-fi or fantasy for, say, The Crow. Seems more fantastical. Fantastical. First of two of Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies that came out. The other... Can you guess what the other movie was that came out in 1990? Please tell me it's Junior. No, it's Kindergarten Cop. Oh, so close. It was, a, really... it was a good year for Schwarzenegger. It was, because that's a legitimately good movie, too. He showed Everyone his wants to make fun of it, but it's... I love it so... Uh, somebody else involved with this production is special makeup artist Rob Bottin. He did effects for movies like The Thing, Legend, and he was on RoboCop with Paul Verhoeven as well. Uh, they didn't have the best working relationship on RoboCop, but they managed to bury the hatchet and continue their relationship into Total Recall, and it's better for it. Effects like Quato, uh, The Chick with the Three Breasts. <laughs> Very important to the plot. <laughs> the three, three titty woman. I remember that was like a big. That was like the Mount Rushmore of sci-fi chicks was just having three boobs for some reason. And it's like there's something wrong with these sci-fi writers that they're alone in a room. They're like, hey, we need a third one. It's like if you touched two real ones, you wouldn't need that third one. Even if you hadn't seen the movie, it's like everybody <laughs> knew about the three or breasted three woman. Boobs. <laughs> yeah, I think that probably did a lot for women's lib and. <laughs> Three boobs, really bringing it forward. Got the uh, right to vote. Now we got three boobs. Other people involved, the the ones who came up with the story for this masterpiece, Dan O'Bannon, uh, Ron Chousette. They also were behind Alien. They wrote that. Oh, nice. But they actually came up with this first. They got the rights to Total Recall, which started out as We Can Remember It For You Wholesale, which is a Philip K. Dick short story which really has very little to do with the film, apart from Who Am I Really, all the identity stuff that Dick is known for. Uh-huh. I love Dick. I don't know <laughs> if you knew that. I, I, had a, I had a sneaking suspicion, it just I didn't know anything about an author. David Cronenberg left this film to direct The Fly. Really? This seems like more of a Cronenberg film than The Fly does. As much as I love The Fly, it would have been interesting to see his take on Total Recall. I would like to see Paul Verhoeven's take on The Fly. Patrick Swayze was going to star in this film back when the character was sort of a working man type. But that was before the the movie went bankrupt in its original uh, production. Arnold Schwarzenegger stepped in and got 
Carol Co. to save the project and make him the lead. And then because Schwarzenegger is not a scrawny dude, they had to change the role. Do you think the movie uh, could have been better with a working class guy? It wouldn't have been action-packed. No, I don't think it would have been action-packed. And I'd say Patrick Swayze is more of an actor, whereas Arnie is Arnie. Uh, Whereas Patrick Swayze, I feel like it wouldn't have done as well. You'd say by 1990, people knew what they were getting with Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah, because like so we already done Predator. I think Commando was before this. Terminator. The people knew what they were getting into. This movie came out June 1st. It debuted at number one. At the time, it was the second most expensive film made behind Rambo 3. Kurtwood Smith turned down the role of Richter, Michael Ironside's part, uh-huh. because he felt it was too close to RoboCop. That's a good point. I, I could see him doing that. Especially with Dick Jones from that movie being the bad guy in this one, Ronnie Cox. Uh-huh. It would Cole feel Hagen. like a bit of a redo, yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Cole Hagen, give the people the air. The week before this movie came out, Back to the Future 3 came out. In the same month, we had a whole bunch of sequels. Gremlins 2, Robocop <laughs> 2, Another 48 Hours, and then the month after was Die Hard 2. So we might complain about sequels and reboots now, but they were doing it way earlier than that. The Future Set Total Recall stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as Douglas Quaid, a construction worker who dreams about going to Mars. He's so obsessed with the Red Planet that he goes to a company named Recall, spelled R-E-K-A-L-L, that offers memory implants. Manufactured experiences that they maintain are safer, cheaper, and indistinguishable from the real thing. Quaid signs up for the Mars vacation package. Not only will he think that he's been there, he'll also believe that he was a secret agent that became the savior of the entire planet. Halfway through his memory implant procedure, he wakes up in a fit of rage and screams that his cover has been blown. He tells them that his name is not Quaid. It's Hauser. Or is it? Before we get into our perspectives on this feature, it's important to establish some rules. First off, we're going to leave out production errors caught on screen that, if given thought, would destroy the integrity of the story being told. Continuity errors, flimsy sets, and boom mic shadows are inadmissible. Secondly, no referencing behind-the-scenes material. A filmmaker's intention means nothing. Only what we can derive from what's been presented in the movie itself. Finally, anything can be used to support a theory as long as nothing else directly contradicts it. For example, if we believe a character has a particular motivation in a scene, that's going to be our call to make. Of course, if in the next scene the character mentions why he did it, then that can't be disputed or ignored either. With that out of the way, let's get into the argument at hand. Has Douglas Quaid, the unfulfilled construction worker played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, been an undercover agent this whole time? Or is what we see throughout the rest of the story nothing more than the very fake memory implant Recall promised him? The theory for the film is that Arnold's character gets exactly what he pays for. There is no grand conspiracy or anything. He's just, uh, the, like, the movie plays out as the memory he's being given. Well, how does the recall process even work? Like I said, it, I feel like it's a lot of it is subconscious. I see this film as just totally straightforward. There is a conspiracy going on. My name is Mitch. So I'll be acting today as, as a moderator, trying to listen to these arguments, uh, see which one follows the most logic. I love this movie. I really do. But every time I watch it, I've kind of kept an open mind. I I always like it when a film is super open-ended like this because I view both the endings as truth. Quaid's uncanny obsession with Mars begins in the opening scene with him and his companion, Melina, walking on the planet's surface. The pair slip on weak ground and proceed to smash their helmets open. So this isn't CG at all, these rocks. No, it's miniatures. And you'll notice how it's still, it's there. One of the problems with CG nowadays is how fast it ages. 
because the CG market is continually advancing so fast. Whereas you look at this, it's that's there. That's physically right there, and that's never going to change. And so the aging process really stops for when it comes to miniatures and stuff. And here we have Arnie dreaming about a woman who's not his wife. So in both of our perspectives for this film, this is a dream. Yes? Yeah. If, if I may get Freudian on this, I would say that he's dreaming about another woman, and then his wife represents the fall, and you notice how it smothers him when he hits the bottom? Mm-hmm. I'm arguing that, I think what I'm arguing right now is Arnie needs a divorce. He's got to divorce her. He must be guilty about having feelings for somebody else because he immediately dies with that woman. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I could say that. When Quaid wakes up from his nightmare, his wife, Lori, played by Sharon Stone, is not happy to hear about his trek with another woman. But Sharon Stone's so hot. So hot. Why? And uh, apparently Paul Verhoeven wanted her to get a little bit more naked in this film. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. So then uh, Basic Instinct, he got her good. Yeah, I was going to say, what did he say to get the beaver shot? That's a pretty famous shot. If She couldn't do it for Total Recall. Well, uh, the beaver shot was storytelling. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. Without Lori knowing, Quaid goes to Recall for the memory implant. He's going to get the girl. People are going to try and kill him left and right. And if anyone in this clinic is a plant, why are they letting him go through with this? That one point that's coming up now where they ask the various questions of, of what he wants as part of his program. We see her on the screen, right? This is a POV shot, and that's who he's describing and who he's seeing as he's doing it. Yeah, but look at that screen. That's exactly who he gets. But that's, that's what he's seeing on the screen. That in actuality, it's some other chick on the screen. But for him, and also for us, the viewer, it's just to let you know that, hey, he's describing her, in case you didn't remember her from just the dream sequence. It could also be that nobody at Recall is part of the conspiracy, but they have this failsafe in Arnie's head so that if somebody else tries to mess with it, like Recall is doing, it'll activate him that way, just so... Because it's got to screw with your head to get implanted memories left and right. It's probably a bad thing. It could be, or this is the first twist and the twist that were promised for the spy thriller. So is him freaking out here part of the memory implant? I think that's his subconscious because his buddy told him about the one guy who uh, got lobotomized. Well, why is that important to his memory vacation? Because he wanted to be a spy and... If you don't start off on, like, big action. Also, he's out right now, and yet it's still the same face on the screen. Quaid leaves Recall, having no recollection of his outburst as Hauser. Now, all of a sudden, people he knows are trying to kill him. First his co-worker, and then his wife. It's safe to say he's having a bad day. There's been zero setup that he's a good fighter, and yet from the movie on out, he's a weapons expert, he's a hand-to-hand combat expert. All things he could really be if he's a uh, Hauser. Or if it's an implanted memory. Agree to disagree? So if this isn't a conspiracy, it's rather convenient that his, uh, his buddy is right there, and if this is part of the memory implant, you're saying? Yes. How would anyone know that he even went in for that? Now, isn't there like a a real legal problem here to use people from his real life and his memory implant. Because if that's going to be part of the vacation, isn't he going to be really pissed off at the, at the real dude when he gets out of his vacation? That seems like something uh, his coworker would sue the recall place for uh, stealing his image. Maybe that's why he didn't want him to go in the first place and he made up the lobotomy thing. Well, how does the recall process even work? I feel like it's a lot of it is subconscious. Uh, this is the scene where Sharon Stone is doing uh, tennis tennis lessons. If the plant of a coworker knew, wouldn't everyone in the network know? Like, why would she just be at home being like, "Oh, I don't have to get ready to murder him"? Because she's a pro; she'll deal with it as soon as he walks in. She's the Black Widow. He'll come to her, and she'll take care of business. But she's made no preparations to murder him as soon as he got home. 
Uh, she t- picks up that knife later. She obviously yeah, already that, knows where certain things are. That's a spur of the moment thing. That's not a, uh, I have a you know tripwire to kill you the second you come in. Because she didn't know until he tells her what's going on. If she is part of the spy network, why was she not informed along with everybody else? She was. She's just a really good actor, and she's trying to salvage what's left of the original mission. I, I like I like Frank's point. It, it, it's, she's kind of a black widow at this point. She's luring him in with comfort. Maybe she already knew when he come, when he came home, and she's just pretending to be in tennis practice and uh, luring him into like, oh no, everything's okay. And again, if you're gonna do memory implants, she's still gonna uh, prep the gun. If you're gonna do memory implants of real people, this is oh, there's a gun. According to the implanted memory, she tried to kill him. I'd go sue Recall again and say, hey, I don't really try to kill people. You're implanting some bad stuff about me in other people's heads. I don't appreciate it. If she is a pro, though, how come she's missing so many times? Because she's got to hold a flashlight, too. It's difficult. He was lit up when that door came open, and all she did was miss. And most of this movie is convenient misses. If this is all an implant, do you think they actually license real people's images, like Michael Ironside's Richter? Do you think the real guy who is Richter is just an actor and they do a 3D scan of him or something and implant him into people's thoughts? And another memory implant, he's, he's on Fantasy Island with Tattoo? Uh, yeah, I would, like, I, I would think so. Schwarzenegger is not in this scene. Quaid's not here. This is uh, not from his perspective. Seems like that wouldn't be something that'd be part of the memory implant, other people's POVs. How is he supposed to really buy it that it's his memories if he sees them in the room when he's not there? Uh, I've had dreams before where uh, like, I'm not there, but I know what's going on. But Recall wants that to be as realistic as possible. So are you saying they programmed it to act like some weird intuition that she's fooling around with Richter? Yeah, I feel like that makes him feel better about like ditching her. And he's not going to question that at all, that, hey, I can see images of her doing it with another guy. This is weird. <laughs> That's his thing. He's dreaming about another woman. Oh, we're not, we're not talking about dreams, right? We're talking about memory implants. What's the difference? Ooh, ooh, that is some dick right there. <laughs> that is some Philip K. Dick. That is one of the biggest arguments that Frank's side has, is the outside perspective. Like, seeing stuff outside from what he's experiencing directly. After a great chase scene and a gross moment where Arnold Schwarzenegger pulls a ping pong ball sized tracker out of his nose, Quaid follows breadcrumbs left by Hauser and realizes the only way to get answers about his predicament is to get his ass to Mars. So he does. He takes the next virgin rocket to the fourth planet from the sun, disguised as a large woman with bright red hair, a suspicious smile, and a severe laconic sense of conversation. It doesn't take long for security at the arrival gate to realize something is up. I remember when I first saw this as a kid, I was very gullible, and it didn't register that the big lady would be Schwarzenegger. It's like, you're wearing that on your head. Why is there an explosion device in there? It's programmed to say two weeks and get ready for a surprise. Why not other words? <laughs> other words that would have got you through the situation? Well, they make her really gaudy looking so people don't want to talk to her. That was a really well-designed disguise. And if you notice, it's a wig on top of the bald lady's head, so that if you're in another super spy mission and you want to have blonde hair, you can accessorize different wigs, different hairstyles. Well, the uh, Perfectly legitimate if this is really happening and this is real technology. The passport had that hair. Why not just have the uh, mask have that hair, too? Do you have anything to declare before you come to Mars? Get ready for a surprise. (laughs) Two weeks. Two weeks. (laughs) Oh, I'm getting a surprise in two weeks? Thank you, ma'am. I hope to see you in two weeks for that surprise. Quaid escapes into the main domed settlement, a place filled with scuzzy denizens, three-breasted prostitutes, and plenty of product placement. How do you feel about product placement, John, in movies? Real life, I see it walking down the street, so I don't mind. If, especially, like, for this movie, it, it's everywhere. So if it really helped beef up the budget, then go for it, because movies are expensive. I think also product placement helps in the futurism of this. Like, obviously, advertising is going to be around everywhere. So to build a future, 
you need more advertising and more spots than even now. If this is a memory implant, did companies pay recall to oh, include yeah, yeah, their yeah. advertisements? Totally. totally. Burger King didn't pay recall, so you're not seeing them here. That's why you're getting Jack in the Box and three tits. Third time you see the lady with three tits. <laughs> Coincidence? Could've, they could have put a K, an F, and a C on those boobies, and I don't know why they didn't. Quaid connects with the local rabble at a sleazy bar that is also a front for the resistance movement. Who does he meet? The woman from his dreams, Melina revealed to have been Hauser's main squeeze while he infiltrated the ranks of the rebel faction. Cohagen, the governor of Mars, has been aiming to root out the rebels and kill their leader, Quado. As Cohagen's right-hand man, Hauser was instrumental in the plot. Whether Hauser was always on the side of the establishment or had a change of heart and sympathized with Molina's merry band is left unclear. They're really consistent with this if this is a memory implant, that they use half of Hauser's video to Quaid at the beginning of the movie, because I think it's like the same video, right? Yeah. That he was recording, get your ass to Mars, and then Cohagen was there the whole time. You'll be saving the day, and then your bosom buddies with uh, Cohagen. In one of the more memorable scenes, Quaid is confronted by Dr. Edgemar, the face of recall and present in all their advertisements on Earth. With a gun pointed at his head, he tries to convince Quaid that there is no plot. In fact, Quaid is currently suffering from a psychotic episode caused by a bad memory implant, and that the doctor is Quaid's only chance to snap out of it. Well, this ploy almost works until Edgemar lets a bead of anxious sweat roll down his temple, a sign for our hero that the moment is real. Otherwise, why worry if the gun goes off or not? Don't lie to Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a lesson that penetrates the doctor's mind the moment he gets a bullet in the brain. Not long after that, Quaid's wife slash assassin shows up again for a final confrontation, one that ends in a quickie divorce. Yep, she takes one to the cranium as well. I guess Quaid really didn't want to deal with the headache of splitting up their assets. Okay, so here, here's one of the benchmark scenes in the movie. Dr. Edgemar? The hired TV actor. This is rather execution style what ends up happening. That's not very good to make you seem heroic in a memory implant that you're going to shoot a guy with glasses, a pudgy dude, who's really posing no threat to you. But if this is supposed to be uh, a memory implant, wouldn't it seem rather convenient and might hurt the reality or the fake reality for Quaid that, hey, my wife's here all of a sudden. Well, for this stuff, you're going to want to... That's some bad gonna, writing for the program. You're going to want to hurt that reality because it's... You could have him come out still thinking he's a spy. They did a crappy job of uh, introducing her back into the story. It ties itself back in, and subconsciously, he's still about to cheat on his wife. So why not tie that up and be like, Okay, you've murdered her. Go sex away. Quaid convinces Melina he's not helping Cohagen and she ultimately delivers him to Quado, a conjoined twin protruding from the stomach of one of the resistance fighters. His creepy red-faced cherub appearance isn't enough to detract Quaid, who readily links with the telepathic mutant for more insight into the conspiracy at hand. In one of the special features on the DVD, Ron Chousset said that people involved in the production during this, the shooting of these scenes with Quato actually came up to him and asked him if it was a real like Siamese freak or something. Oh, really? Yeah. It works really well. I mean, it looks really good. And that goes back to the argument of CG age faster than prosthetics and practical effects. They didn't even go to Mars, did they, in the remake? And was Quato a stomach baby like in this one? I totally don't recall it. Because <laughs> all this, if this is real, all this is from angles he's never seen this plant from. Quato's reading his memory where Quaid is not in it. So if this is real, he's reading his memory where Quaid's not there. Maybe Hauser saw it on a video feed, or maybe Ronnie Cox talked to him about it later and told him what happened. In this, in this particular format, the way it's just going around and conveniently telling the story. Maybe that's how good Quato is, that he can make up these images to help Hauser. Well, maybe he doesn't need Quaid for this then at all, I feel like. What if Quato is some sort of 
memory baby of Mars, and he knows about the device that's going to create air. So he's joining his thought with Hauser's experiences to lead him along the path to complete the new mission, which is give Mars air. <laughs> Damn it, Cohagen, give the people the air. Because that would be a good continuation of the motif of people getting things put into their heads by other people. Now Quato's doing it to Quaid and giving him a new mission and, and implanting new things into his brain. Both are very good points. <laughs> All we do here is make points. <laughs> Quaid finds out about an ancient alien artifact, a reactor that might give the people of Mars air and loosen the grip of the oppressive government. Quaid and Melina get tasked with getting to the reactor and turning it on. Of course, Cohagen has a few thoughts on the subject and captures the duo. He reveals that he wants Hauser back and is willing to mind-wipe Melina into Hauser's supplicant if it'll make Quaid happier to go through with the procedure that will give him total recall of who he once was. Cohagen's got Quaid and Melina right where he wants them. Here he's explaining why everything isn't as perfect as you might think it is for a memory implant and why it uh, it could fit for the reality of a conspiracy. He points out that it wasn't as seamless as it really seemed. <laughs> Wordplay! That's a, that's a rather tempting dilemma for this memory implant, isn't it, that... What would be so bad about turning into Hauser again? Why is he struggling so much? He's going to have the perfect life with Melina. He's going to be number two behind Cohagen. Why even fight that? Well, first of all, because he's not Cohagen, he's John from Earth. Is that the character's name? John? John. Your name is John. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, implanting. <laughs> but if he really was Hauser, why, why fight this? Uh, thus, I say he's not really Hauser. Well, he doesn't have total recall. See, you see that moment in Cohagen's eyes where he doesn't want to kill his friend. That's just way too layered. Look at him, he's about to cry. That's just way too much character for a memory implant. Really? Watch him destroy these fish. The irony is he was killing those fish with oxygen. That is irony. That's beautiful. <laughs> Can fish float through space, no problem? Well, everything can float through space, no problem. Like living, though. No, no, nothing, no. Nothing they require can, water to breathe. Nothing right? can float through space. Well, don't they still? Alive. Don't they still take oxygen from the water? They take oxygen from the water. Freezes. Just a different level of it than. Yeah, humans. well, the gills are designed specifically for getting it through water. They can't just ingest it through air. I like to think that fish can breathe antimatter. <laughs> Quaid and Molina escape Cohagen's clutches. As they get closer to the reactor, they encounter a cadre of soldiers ready to stop their advance. Severely outnumbered, Quaid's solution is to use a hologram device shown earlier in the movie. Creating the perfect 3D image of himself, he lures the soldiers into a trap and dispatches them quite easily. I'm going to say it's just a solid light construct. We don't exactly know how these holograms work. And that it can absorb bullets and actually make them disappear. You see, that's the thing. Uh, when he shot earlier, they don't disappear. It was on a different they, setting. They should be killing. They should be killing each other in the crossfire, as they say in France. Get caught up in the crossfire. Well, they're, they're all really good at aiming at the construct, and so it's all just absorbing the bullets, making them disappear into a negative if zone. It's, if it's just a hologram, it should be going right through. Uh, that's why I'm saying it's a, it's a solid light construct that uh, dissipates well, metal. If it's a solid-like construct, why can't he shoot bullets, too? Because it's too much work for the device. There are other devices that allow that, but not this one. But hey, look! Quaid took care of it anyway with his own gun. Yeah, but how convenient is it that he happens to be hitting every other people? He's remembering more of his super spy life. Well, he's just randomly like... What I love about this is that even in the realm of the film, they're constantly messing with what reality is. For those dudes he just shot up, they didn't that's, know if he was the real guy or the hologram. Everybody's point. getting messed with in that's this movie. That's the point for me. Reality's constantly being messed with, because in real life you can't mess with reality unless you're schizophrenic. Of course you can mess with reality in real life. Magicians do it all the time. 
climax of Total Recall takes place inside the control chamber of the reactor. Cohagen catches up with Quaid and Molina, weapon drawn, and insists that it's suicide to start the machine. It won't create air, rather, it'll destroy the entire planet. Cohagen diverts his attention on setting a bomb that will sabotage the reactor. Molina takes the opportunity to get a shot off, disabling Cohagen and allowing Quaid the chance to toss the bomb into a trash tube. The trash tube seal blows open and Cohagen is the first one expelled onto the inhospitable, eye-popping terrain. Quaid manages to activate the machine using a hand stamp with a familiar four-fingered layout. Doesn't it make him even more heroic if he shoots Cohagen? Why have the lady do it for him? Uh, well, like, why not? Why, why doesn't she kill him? See, here he's uh, throwing the grenade out, or the bomb, and now he's the hero. Because she failed to kill him. In typical typical uh, masculine women woman ignorance, uh, which would be very... Like, in reality, she's clearly capable. She would have killed him, but she didn't. Because this is a masculine implant. Now, Schwarzenegger definitely looks like a guy that does rope climbing as opposed to somebody like Patrick Swayze or some working class character. I wouldn't believe these scenes as much. Mind you, you know, this probably wasn't the way it was in that draft of the script. Well, Swayze's more core-oriented because he's a surfer, and that, uh, I'm assuming, requires a lot of core. Whereas Arnie is arm-oriented because he's a badass. One of those considered for Schwarzenegger's role was Matthew Broderick. That would have been an interesting film. What, in this? Yeah, that could have tied into... Matthew How old was he in the 90? Uh, he must have been at least 30-something. He would have been my age, 28. That's a good action star age. Plus, Arnie is... How old is Arnie in this movie? He was born in the 40s. Was he born in the I think he was born in 47. Yeah. Yeah. Conveniently, just after Hifter left power, with probably years of perfect Aryan breeding programs in place, Arnie is a successful man. He's the son of a preacher man. Uh, no, the son of a Austrian police officer, I believe. Don't ruin this. Also, he's never experienced that particular feeling before. Why is it identical to his dream? He's done his research on Mars because he's fascinated with the place as Quaid. So in his dreams, it reacts the same way. No, because scientifically, that's not what you would just suffocate because there's not enough oxygen. You wouldn't explode or whatever is happening here. In our universe, true. But in the world and universe of Total Recall, that's not the case in this film. He was told to get his ass to Mars. Who do you think the aliens were that left that device. Does Quato have the same hand? Does he? Ooh, that's Ooh. an entirely different theory. Quato's hand is the same shape as, as the device, so Quato must be related to the ancient Martians, you know? It's, it's, it's not like the mutation alone turned him into a thing that has that. Ooh. Cab driver has a weird alien hand, too. Quaid and Melina get pushed out as well. Miraculously, their writhing in pain comes to a life-saving end as the reactor pumps air out all over the surface, accomplishing Quaid's mission, sewing up the conspiracy, and fulfilling the sales pitch given to Quaid earlier on. He gets the girl and saves the day. Fade to white. But look, he just saved a planet, and now he's about to get the girl, and then that's it. It ends. It just ends. Big old crane shot. Big old crane shot. Oh, she can't believe it. It's like a dream. If it's a dream, it it, it well, doesn't that, cause him joy. So yeah, after this all she, happens, she literally just said, "Well, quickly, kiss me before you wake up." Kiss. Well, it's a it's a joke. Kiss. It's a joke that they're having together. Kiss. And fade to white. Well, I don't recall a lot of my dreams fading to white. So I don't all see my dreams fade to, to white. When you're, when you're coming to from them, like waking you up with a flashlight, and you're. Fresh off another successful viewing, John reiterates his memory implant theory for the film. Well, bullet point number one is that uh, I gotta go with hating himself because he wants to cheat on his wife, and so all that subconscious stuff does come up during the recall. Bullet point number two, the salesman describes the plot of the rest of the movie. Number three is uh, the recall salesman who comes in and he just finishes finishes the movie for him he's like you're you know one minute you're gonna be bosom buddies with him the next minute you're gonna be saving the planet and he literally he gets the girl and it fades to white there's no resolution beyond that whatsoever he just he saves the girl 
uh, or he saves the planet and gets the girl. My points would be, like John mentioned, the fact that uh, a lot of these scenes, actually on this viewing, I really hadn't noticed how many scenes don't have Schwarzenegger in them. I was kind of surprised. I thought in my original recollection of it, my original recall, that it was just a couple of moments, but damn, there are a lot of scenes like that. So that's my first point, is that if I'm going to get a memory implant, it's going to destroy the reality for me that I'm seeing all these other moments that I'm not in. That seems a bit hokey from a, a good storytelling standpoint if the programmers want it to be a believable uh, implant. Secondly, again, there are real people from Quaid's life involved in this implant. The whole subconscious point doesn't seem to resonate for me that much because that's a big X factor for these programmers to have to consider. And if they're going to make that part of the program, then you have weird X factor moments like him shooting his wife or her acting like a complete bitch or his coworker being a total asshole and trying to kill him. That's going to screw with you when you get out of those memories, and uh, it's going to affect your relationships with those people in the real world, and I don't see how a business could operate that way without getting sued every which way. Um, I, will, I, will. I didn't uh, talk during your points, John. <laughs> so my last, point, <laughs> my last point would be that it works as a very heroic Schwarzenegger tale if it's actually happening. If it's all just a memory implant, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy it as much as the viewer. Uh, I'm not going to get the kicks from this film that uh, having it be reality delivers. If it's all an implant, then you got all the, the, none of the stakes matter. And this brings back something I mentioned earlier. If this technology really existed, is it really something marketable that people would really want I can't see why I would want memories like this and then to realize later on that none of this actually happened. Those are my points. Okay, that's valid. Thank you, John. Your points were valid also. I, I do have a counter-argument. Uh, when he did go to recall, there was no line out that door. He was able to get right in, uh, so I feel like... And he went during peak hours. He skipped work for that. Well, it's, it's by appointment. So they don't have lines going out the door. Two Ooh, three shays. Uh, <laughs> three boob shay. Is that your favorite interpretation, or are you just playing devil's advocate? I'd like to... I know we're not supposed to take into... Well, this is our this is our wrap-up yeah, session, wrap so up. feel you free to bring in whatever you want to. Okay, see, because, yeah, like, per the theory, we're not supposed to bring in outside effects. But I, I know Paul Paul Verhoeven is smarter than that. Like, uh, RoboCop is a commentary on police violence. Is it? <laughs> we'll find out in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. It clearly is. He's, he's said so. Like, you look at uh, Starship Troopers, where it's, uh, you know, humanity's supposed to be the good guy, and yet, come towards the end, they're the ones doing the horrendous experiments. They're the ones dressed like Nazis. So as that relates to this film... I like to think Paul Verhoeven is much smarter than to make a straightforward action movie. Like, there's, with, there's always an underlying tone, and I like to think that Arnie is the American audience... Just desperate for uh, this almost BS story of what they want, not like reality. They want this made-up thing. They don't want an actual straightforward movie. I'd add to that point that um, he doesn't really watch the news that closely. Everyone wants to escape from the news. So why not come up with this just like bullet point way to save the people on Mars? And then you can forget about it. The people on Mars' lives are saved in your mind. It is just a form of brainwashing. Mitch? Have you learned anything new after this particular viewing? The idea of it being an entertainment piece is something John has focused on. It being an entertainment piece would explain why these background scenes are there. At the same time, I never really noticed how much advertising was really in there. And I don't know if that is future world or if that is a product of this brainwashing thing. It is a brainwashing thing and advertisement is also a brainwashing thing. So having Having that extra bit in there kind of adds to the fact that the recall itself is brainwash. I also agree with John's point about the actor 
the actor being there, the, the spokesperson for Recall, showing up in the middle of it, and him sweating. It, that that's something you can throw in. Like everything is a script. We we earlier got to a point about how real life isn't as ridiculous as the events of this movie. So you know, it does kind of factor into a point that this is a form of entertainment, just like this movie itself is a form of entertainment. So if this movie itself should be considered a form of entertainment, everything that happens in the recall world fits as a form of escapism. Uh, it's it's still also hard because the subconscious thing. It, to your point about programming that in is tough, but then again you gotta work with the raw materials you're given <laughs> John is giving the finger to Frank <laughs> Two. <laughs> well, but why Why do they have to be constricted by those parameters, I mean to transition from his normal life to the implanted life, they could have a few moments with the wife and, and people from his real life and then go right into made up people left and right I think it comes from him choosing the secret agent scenario I think it's because it's secret agent and they have to make it realistic for him. They have to do this whole scheme of him like explaining why he didn't know he was a secret agent before. Otherwise, it's not a realistic experience. And I know it's realistic enough, but it's still just over the top ridiculous because it's entertainment. What do you think of that? On, on previous viewings, uh, I always imagine they're kind of like with the author, Philip K. Dick himself, that this is loosely based off of. They're selling it as a real memory you're not going to know the difference so it's not you're not going to uh, question any of it you're going to feel like you really did it and that's what we aim to do here at recall so if that's the case uh it really does seem like it would wreck a lot of relationships once the memory implants over that is a very valid point uh, also i don't know how much about it being <laughs> Do you not like my sports commentators? Like, valid point, Frank. Uh, you know, it's it's also he didn't he have to sit there with the manager and sign like a waiver. Didn't he have to like agree to like whatever happens happens? You know, and I, I think that's that's how like when you get out of it, if if the reality is too jarring, it does mess up your relationships. It's too too damn bad. You signed up to mess with your brain. You signed up to do this. This is something you chose. It's not our fault. If you decide to go home and leave your wife because you can't get past the fact that a memory has been implanted in you, that makes you think she's trying to kill you. In the end, the, the new interpretation I, I, I am feeling is I feel it is recall just because there are too many events that are by chance that reality couldn't handle. And the movie on purpose ends in a way that you, you never understand. It ends with you re-questioning it with her talking about like, I hope this isn't a dream. Uh, the both of them doing that, and the fade to white really does kind of lean towards it being a dream. It wants you to think of it as a dream. But hey, how about this? What if he's an agent and this is just another second dream? <laughs> to just keep him fucked up even longer, right? Mitch segues nicely into the topic of how many ways can you interpret the film? What if in the <coughs> opening scene of the movie... That's actually him dying. The whole movie is his, like, looking back at his life in, like, the last few seconds of his life and, and just, like, seeing this alternate existence, you know? It fades yes. to white because he's going to fucking he, heaven. Yeah, he, he fucking dies. He sees the white light and he's off. I like that a lot. What if Paul Verhoeven is trying to say purgatory is, is really, really just this comforting way, whatever you need to get through to get to heaven. Ooh, and for, for, for Quaid, it's, uh, you know, I wasted my life. Maybe I was on Mars as a tourist and I needed to somehow, in the last few seconds as my eyes are bulging out of my goddamn skull. <laughs> it's O-Face. I need to come to terms with the life I've wasted by inventing this whole prefabricated reality where I wake up suddenly in this happier life where I'm banging Sharon Stone. She's all over me like a piece of meat to tie it back. Everyone is just living their last seconds of life creating a total recall that is purgatory. There's uh, also a slight variation of, sure, uh, of John's perspective that it is a memory implant, but an implant that goes wrong, and of course he gets lobotomized at the end with that white light, is a, another interpretation. Uh, also that it's just all another one of uh, Quaid the construction worker's dreams, like the first one popping his eyes out of Mars is a dream, talking to his wife is real, and then everything else that happens is more dreaming with that uh, Latina babe of his. 
Quick question though, what was the point of the hatch on Mars and the polar bear and the smoke monster? I'm not quite <laughs> clear. <laughs> Robocop news segments are, are used in a very satirical fashion for levity, for humor. So it's interesting that Verhoeven uses more news segments in Total Recall, but for a wholly different purpose that seem like they're much more plot specific, whether it is for the implant or if you're going to take it as reality, you need to pay attention to those moments to add to the, to well, the plot at, of the film. Um, look at uh, Starship Troopers. In those new segments, they're, they're doing its recruitment, it's, it's horrific stuff that they just kind of laugh off. So there really is a trajectory of, of how Verhoeven used news segments in his movies. Yeah, Going yeah. Going from somewhat silly, and then it gets more serious in Total Recall, and then hits its peak with a political message in Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. Thank you. Good point. <laughs> Great point. Valid point. <laughs> go, go to the remake. I wouldn't buy that for a dollar. So if we look at the remake of Total Recall, as the only one in here, they really did try to make it pretty clear that it's reality, from what I recall. I'm gonna make that joke a million times, because I did try to wipe this from- Spelt with a K, spelt with a K. <laughs> and, because uh, it, 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 it just is so straightforward action, there is no depth the way Verhoeven's film has done it. Everything Frank talked about is absent from this entirely, and it's just because, you know, 23 years later, this this movie, why? Why does it ever need to be remade? If anything, it's it's like I'm dipping into a shittier recall. Like it, we've evolved, we've evolved so much that different companies have come out with faultier, more, you know, like they don't work as well. Ooh, ooh. That's that's what Total Recall 2013 was that the year it came out. Whatever year it came out, that's it's just you know. Guess what? Here's the McDonald's version of uh, Total Recall. I'm starting to realize that the Total Recall remake rarely gets mentioned unless it's in a derisive fashion. <laughs> I have yet to meet somebody who really liked that movie, and nobody that says that it was better than the original. I mean, even people who have never seen the original who saw that remake, only, that's their only experience with it, they hated it. Mm. And I'm pretty confident that everyone I've ever met who's seen the original Total Recall loves the original Total Recall. I feel like you're the only person who's seen the original who went to watch the remake. I, I didn't give it money. I'll be very honest. Um, I definitely borrowed a copy from someone and <laughs> angrily watched it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, in God, I, it was a miracle I got through it. I really I wish I could get into a machine that would erase that memory and put in just... Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. You need that one. You need to go and erase the memory watching that movie. Then I get on a loop where I accidentally watch that movie a bunch of times. No, thank you. I don't think my corneas deserve that torture. <laughs> well, you, you bring up an interesting thing, Mitch. Uh, in the realm of screw-with-your-mind movies, where does Total Recall rate with stuff like Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind and other mindfuckery films? I think it really paved the way. It was one of the earlier films. I, I I can't even think of something. I mean, I guess you can go with those VR reality movies that kind of came out in the eighties. What was the one? Oh God. Oh. When did Johnny Mnemonic come out? Johnny Mnemonic came out after. Damn. Um, it was like ninety three. No, I'm talking about the one with. Uh, I think it's Ray Fiennes. Oh. Okay. Take the. Mic oh, uh, Strange Days. Strange Days. Uh. So Strange Days. When Ooh. did that come out? Nineties. I thought that was even. Or I thought it was eighties. No, that was nineties. Uh, I will bet. What about Dark City? When did Dark City come? Dark City out? That was like 90, 96, I think. It yeah. came out shortly before The Matrix. So maybe oh, a year and that's before. one of my other favorite things is I got that movie, Total Recall, and RoboCop for four dollars each on Blu-ray. They're always in the bargain bin. For some reason, bargain bins tend to take really classic, awesome sci-fi movies. Well, it's because it. everybody already has their copy. Yeah. One of the things that puts this movie in the in the top echelon of mind-bending movies for me is that it's it really marries all those explosions and violence that might sometimes be looked upon as being less intellectual than other things. But it's married perfectly with all these ideas and details that you can just pull apart. Editing this show, I've had plenty of extra time to think about this movie. My narrative has changed a lot since we recorded our discussion. Here's my version of this choose-your-own-adventure type story. So Kohagen sends Hauser to spy on the rebels. 
He falls in love with Melina, but still has to report back to his boss. Hauser knows where Quato is, but doesn't share that info with Cohagen. With that assignment a failure, Hauser gets his memory erased and becomes Quaid. The rebels know who Hauser is, but by taking on a vulnerable persona, the idea is that they'll accept the innocent version of him and will go see Quato, the psychic who can help frazzled minds. Cohagen will track Quaid to Quato to kill the rebel. Man, that is a lot of consonants, huh? <laughs> Quato leads a resistance on Mars. It's hard to believe he doesn't have some agents on Earth as well. He already knows about the new plot before the start of the film. He knows where they planted Quaid as the construction worker. One of the rebels works at Recall. He or she placed clues throughout those scenes to help Quaid along the journey. The monitor showing Melina? That was them. The whole virtual vacation was set up by the Resistance. Getting the girl? Saving the planet? All things the psychic Quato knew was going to happen. Quaid's wife, Lori, was a Cohagen agent there to keep tabs on him. Quaid was always intended to go to Mars. He just did it sooner than the establishment anticipated. Richter, played by Michael Ironside, was the number three behind Hauser. I admit, Richter gets short shrift in this episode. We really don't talk about him much, but his performance is great. What can I say, dude? Uh, see you at the party. Nobody knows about Quato's intentions, so Melina is antagonistic toward Quaid because Hauser never told her he had a change of heart, something Quaid knows on an emotional level. Dr. Edgemar was sent by the establishment, but he's also involved with Recall. He's familiar with their vacation packages. Everything he says outlining the rest of the movie is because he knows about the conspiracy and which vacation package Quaid signed up for. Again, it's a package that was put together by an undercover Quado agent. When Quado dies, Cohagen thinks it's sewn up. He doesn't realize that there's a long con. When we see the rest of Hauser's video message and that Cohagen stood beside him the whole time, that was part of the ruse. Being a great spy and trained to lie, Hauser's consistent, upbeat demeanor is a result of the trick he's playing on Cohagen and not a mean joke at Quaid's expense. The rest of the flick plays out, Mars gets air, and we never got to see the intended sequel, which would have been Quaid as a policeman on the Red Planet, dealing with crimes before they happen. That's right, Arnold Schwarzenegger could have starred in Minority Report, another Philip K. Dick short story that eventually got made with Spielberg and Tom Cruise in the lead. I think Cruise is great, but I really wish it had been the sequel to Quaid's story. So that's it. You've heard our takes on the movie. Do they make sense? Who do you side with? Can you think of a different theory? Let us know in the comments section. We'd love to hear from you. Is Total Recall about a double agent? Is it the memory implant of a virtual vacation? That's for you to decide the next time you watch it again. Replace the term top bitch with three tits. Because <laughs> whenever somebody challenges her supremacy, she says, We're going to have a tit counting contest right now. And she always uh, one, wins. One, two, three, I win. Thank you. Uh, one, two, you lose. Because the I mutation think it's amazing stuff. that most of the mutations are horrible except for one the three tit mutation. Hey, I'm John. Thanks for coming. If you haven't watched it already, watch it again. If you haven't watched it already, wait, no, that makes no sense. <laughs>